and yet it's uh, very, very uh, touchy. I believe that this, this causes a lot of family problems where the wife wants a lot of kids and the husband doesn't, or the husband wants a lot of kids and the wife doesn't. I believe a lot of problems are caused by this today. And we know a lot of problems are caused by the poor advice of pastors. We have one who just joined our church, just in the last three months joined our church. And, and uh, he, he and his wife were wondering about how many children to have. And so they had a boy and a girl. And uh, they, they asked their pastor about getting her, you know, uh, made so she couldn't have any more children. And, you know, uh, that's kind of unnatural. It's kind of against nature. People don't like to hear that, but I don't care what they want to hear. People don't want to hear the gospel either, do they? And a lot of believers don't want to, uh, women don't want to know, how, uh, be told how to dress either, do they? Amen. And men don't like to be told how long their hair should be. And uh, people don't want to be told that they shouldn't get themselves fixed. And one lady said, "Oh, don't say that." I felt like saying, "Fixed, fixed, fixed." I'm a contentious person. No, I'm not. I'm, I hope I'm godly. It is very important that we have children. How are we going to populate heaven if we don't let them get into the world to begin with? Hello? They can't get born again if they don't get born physically. That sensible? Some people have never thought that far. That used to be my pet little thing when I was a baby Christian. People don't just don't think. And what I meant is they don't think biblically. They don't think like God thinks. Always in the Bible, always, children are a blessing and a heritage of the Lord. And I thought about Job just the last day or so. And you know what it says about Job? It said he had ten children. Is that not right? They all died, and God gave him ten more. Well, if he didn't need ten more, why did God give him ten more? If, it, if God didn't think it was a great thing to have a lot of children, why, did God, why didn't God just give him a bunch of mules and, ca and, and camels and sheep and just leave off the children because probably, or possibly, or very probably, all ten of them were already in heaven. Because he prayed for them every day that they wouldn't sin against God and curse God uh, with their lips. By the way, the theme of Job, I believe, is the tongue. Like James. His wife said, why don't you curse God and die? He prayed in the morning that his children would not curse God in their hearts. And um, the devil said, he'll curse you to the face. And Job retained his integrity and did not curse God. He cursed his day, but he didn't curse God. And um, so the tongue is the theme there. But why did God want put that in his Bible? And then why did he say that those three daughters he had were the fairest in the land? If it's not a nice thing to have pretty girls for some nice godly fellows to come by and marry. And so, America is upside down and backwards. It's just about as heathen in this regard as China. Because there used to be, it used to be looked upon as a nice thing for uh, you to have a nice sized family. But my wife was number nine. I was number four. I was one of four. And uh, I don't think I should have heard when I grew up that, uh, that uh, my youngest sister was not planned. I don't think we need to plan these things. I think we just need to trust God to give us what he wants to give us. Would it not be terrible to think that we prevented a, a preacher, a missionary, evangelist, a teacher preacher boy to come into the world or that we prevented a young girl, baby girl to come into the world because of the philosophy of the day. A girl that could be married by some preacher 
or could be on the mission field or some helper if she never got married, or some great soul winner like Mrs. Dorothy Myers who's led thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands to Christ who never got married. Wouldn't that be something if we, because we prevented a Hannah from coming into the world? I should say Anna who went to all those people at 84 years old in Jerusalem who looked for redemption. This is an awesome thing. We talk too glibly in America about divorce and we talk too glibly about preventing children. This couple came to me and he said, my wife got fixed back. And the reason she was at the hospital is they were checking to see if everything's okay so that they could have some more children. They just have one boy and one girl. I want you to know that 50% of all the people in our church Almost 50% of the people have been fixed or they would like to have children if the Lord would give them some and they can't because they listen to some heathens or some preacher. Now, Brother Shea is the one and he mentioned that it was a pastor in Germany and the pastor said, well, we did it. So they went ahead and, and did that and now they regret it. Brother Mc, uh, Brother. Uh, Metcalf, who just came to us, he had two boys. And then he uh, himself got fixed. Well, he just got fixed back, we hope, but it is, I don't know if, if it's in time and everything. And the consternation he went through about not having enough money to do this, we as a church were almost uh, wanting to take the money up for him. But we didn't know the mind of God about the whole thing. It's, it's not our business to, it's our business to promote missions. But he said, now I'm, I'm back like I should be, and whatever God does, he does. But all the, t the heartaches they've had. Can you imagine having two boys and then and by, uh, having that problem? By the way, our other missionaries out in the, in the West, I never talked to them personally, but the laymans, same thing. They wanted more kids. So probably one of them got um, what, neutered or I don't know what in the world you want to call it. I, I know one thing. Um, it, it's not of God. It caused all this confusion in the hearts of people. This business of limiting children is not of God. The Roman Catholic Church is more sensitive. I know they want more Catholics in the world. I know. I know their plan. They want more priests. They want more nuns. I know that. But to tell you the truth, they're, they just, did you hear about what the Pope did recently and what they decided in America uh, where it was in Austin, I think, and they said that they have decided in Breckridge, Breckenridge Hospital, uh, which is a Catholic hospital, which I did not know, that they are not going to allow any abortions anymore or uh, contraceptives in any fashion at all. And so they said they're going to have to go somewhere else and do that. Did you hear about what's happening in Ireland? In Ireland, they... They made a, They still have the law that you can't do this. So they're going out in the. They're, they're they're having a surgical boat ship, a surgical ship where they can go out and do their sin. This verge is very closely on sin, limiting children that God might want to give us, touching the temple God has given us. So many people want the pleasure, but they don't want the responsibility of children. Well, I'm against it. I guess you gathered that. I guess you gathered earlier that I'm against divorce and remarriage for ministers. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how well Brother, uh, Brother Reed took to that either. I'll tell you what. I'm right on this issue. I'm wrong on a lot of things, but I'm not wrong on either one of these issues. It is still wrong to do wrong. Amen? And if it breeds confusion at all, it's of the devil. And I've been, I've been, uh, I've been conditioned earlier in my life but I'm telling you, it went from four and five children, six and seven and eight, and four and five, six, seven, eight children. Then it went to four, uh, three. It's not three anymore. It's two, and it's going to get to be one. 
Our country is becoming heathen. Heathen. And this is one of the major reasons we are not going to have missionaries on the field. If they don't get born, they can't get called to go back where their parents served. It's one of the major problems. How many missionaries do you know now that have five and six and seven kids? When you started out, they were all over the place. But they're not going to be there anymore. They've been conditioned to false teaching. Which, which limits their... You say, well, yes, but well, aren't they, if they have more children, they're going to have trouble with, uh, with more of their children. Well, that may be the case, but that's... That means you shouldn't have children? Anything you do in the church, in the local church, if you have a bus ministry, you're going to have troubles in that bus ministry. Anything you do, if you promote a mission program, you're going to have, you're going to, have uh, to deal with problems with Brother Johnson. Right? Anything you do that's to the positive, you're going to have to, you're going to have problems with it. You start a good active prayer life. Don't you think you're going to have problems with your, the, being faithful to that and then getting conditioned, you get uh, lazy and so forth and you start a good thing, family devotions and, I mean, uh, who's ever started family devotions and kept it going for 40, 30 some years like we have and not had the devil I had to make a decision this morning. We've been going through the Bible finally. Um, in our devotions, we always did pick and choose, and we would, would either pick a verse of Scripture and memorize verses. And if we were traveling at night, uh, I think uh, Brother Robertson, were you not, or somebody said about you have to have a time when you have your family devotions. Somebody, somebody brought that up, or Brother here. And um, that's good. You need a set time. We always had ours in the evening. And we would come back from a meeting, and we just knew that the kids would all be asleep or something, and we, we would just, in the car, I'm driving along, and what? We would, we, we would be quoting Bible verses, because, you know, you, I, I couldn't read very well at, at the wheel, and uh, so we would each quote our Bible verse. And what we did is we would start with the youngest one, then the next one would... Uh, well, we would first read a portion of Scripture, or if we were quoting verses, we'd start with the youngest to the oldest, you see. And I didn't close my eyes when I, uh, when I prayed. Then, then we would pray, and then I, I wouldn't close my eyes when I was praying. I wanted to stay on the road. But there's nothing against uh, keeping your eyes open when you pray. Um, but anyhow, uh, but we had it. Then we uh, read Matthew Henry and heard that he had devotions in the morning and the evening. Well, uh, I remember earlier in our existence, and uh, Pete Rice said that he had his devotions in the morning. Well, that's fine, Pete, but I'm not changing mine because I'll end up not having them at all. So I, I didn't listen to Pete, okay? But I thank God, you have yours, at least you have them. Pete Rice, you know. Then what I did later, though, in the last year or so, when we were reading Matthew Henry, and I, I like his commentary so much, and uh, so then we started having de devotions in the morning and the evening, though they are brief, but we have them twice a day. You say, do you make it every day? No, but we do pretty well. And uh, this, at least if you have twice a day, at least, you, um, at least you're recognizing the Lord at that time, though it may be brief. And so uh, it's very important to have family devotions. And then, as you get on and you've had it all these years and some of your children go bad, then you shouldn't have had those children. That doesn't have a thing to do with that. Well, you're having all those problems in your church. You shouldn't even be in the pastorate. You shouldn't even be a missionary. Everybody's got problems. And these pastors have family problems too. Amen? Their wives get discouraged and they need prayer and encouragement. And uh, things aren't easy, and um, dealing with problems and so forth. All right. But what I'm saying is that uh, this is a major, major problem. And yet, how, how many do you know that's addressing what I just told you about uh, the size of families? Do you know anybody across the country other than Ron Williams? I don't know anybody. John Rice used to. 
That's right, he But they probably dropped some of his emphasis on that. Now, I don't know about roll-off ministries. Are they as strong on, against TV as they used to be? They are. That's good. I praise the Lord. I mean, I do. Because I wondered. You know, I wondered when, when the old man dies, you know. Boy, old roll-off. He's a great guy. Yeah, but he's dead. He's not in your church point to send you. You're ready to say, get rid of your TVs. Follow what I mean? Oh, you can really deify a man after he's gone. And you can change his tapes, too, and not put the controversial ones out as much as you used to on the radio. Was he controversial? And was he unorthodox? My dear wife says, Jack, you're so disorganized. Why well, I know that. The Lord made me this way. I know that. Just leave me alone. Amen. And I heard about Pete Rice and Bill Rice. Bill Rice is, gonna take, uh, is, is, is just so disorganized. But Pete Rice has everything in order. Both brothers by the same mother and father. And it was so bad that Mary Rice, Bill Rice the third's uh, wife, was in there cleaning his desk off with these piles of papers all over his desk. Not like your wife, brother. She's very... And and uh, Kathy Rice, his mother, was there. Bill Rice, his father's already dead in heaven. And so Mary said to Kathy, uh, to his mother, uh, Mom, do you want him back? She said, not on your life. She said, I've never seen such disorganization as God's hand on Bill Rice the third shirt is. Is his ministry as great as Pete Rice? I believe it is. Why? Because he inherited it from his dad? I think not. It's just because God is using Bill Rice. And he's very outspoken and very evangelistic. And, uh, just be yourself, you know. If you can help yourself a little bit in these areas where you're weak, please do so. Try to be a little bit more organized. But it is quite distressing. Oh, I better put it on. Thank you. Uh, it is quite distressing when you when your wife gets you out of bed in the morning because she wants to make the bed and you haven't slept sufficiently because you were maybe got up early in the morning and you were praying or you were up half the night with something else. Or if you come into your office and you knew which pile it was on or under, so at least you knew where to look and then all of it's gone and where in the world are we going from here? I'll never find it. Is it in the... Waste basket. How many have you have ever gone to the waste basket to try to find something that your wife threw out? <laughs> That's important. That was important to me, honey. Please don't throw it. My wife is very gracious about getting rid of some of my mail at times, too. And she'll, in a sense, she's my secretary. But anyhow, um, you know, I did think it would be nice to read that. I know I don't agree with them on everything, honey, but I did kind of want to read that. Okay, um, but listen, I wouldn't be going through any of what I just said to you if my uh, if my wife's parents had not had nine kids. She was number nine. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. was the 11th or the 13th son. Which one was it? Anybody know? Or child? The 11th or the 13th? There would not be a Bob Jones University. And there would not have been 800 preacher boys when I was there. That's an army of preacher boys. There were 1,200 preacher boys a few years prior to that. 1,200. And there'd been none of that had they not had the 11th child or the 13th child. And so, uh, by the way, Pastor Magnuson, a friend of mine who died just the great preacher, he said that he did some research and you would be surprised. We, there would be no Charles Wesley and John Wesley if the mothers didn't act normal back in those days and the fathers didn't act normal. There is a Bible verse, you know, it says against nature. Do you think that we ought to, when we get older, wonder if we could have had our, uh, another boy to take our pulpit for us and we could have sat under our own son's ministry? But then we listen to the world or listen to some 
preacher who never considered the thing or thought it was the untouchable thing, well, they talk about it a lot. Why should it be so untouchable? If people were acting very natural and normal, we wouldn't have to get into it, would we? We wouldn't even have to think about it. It used to be a, it used to be a nice thing to have children. It used to be a, a delightful thing to have children. And they didn't say, oh, not again. They used to say, I think. By the way, you know, it's pretty painful to have children. But it's pretty painful to go to work every day, too. And be cursed at and sworn at and kicked around. And say, get on for uh, 60 push-ups by your superior in the army. They did that to Mike. He dropped the, what do they call that thing? Huh? Guide on. The guide on. The, the flag. Here he was. He was tired and he, uh, you know, whatever. And he probably should have been up early in the morning. Oh, yes, Brother Mike. Anyhow. anyhow. And so he, he, the flag, he had right out in front of the whole battalion. I know there was a company. It's a whole battalion. And he dropped the guide on or whatever that thing is, the flag. He dropped the flag and he picked it up quickly. Oh, they all, and they all went, Oh, or, or, all over. They all did this. They all saw it fall. Do you think he was in trouble? So his superiors gets him out in front of everybody and says, get out and do some push-ups. <laughs> that was the most embarrassing day possibly next to the judgment of God when he stands before the Lord <laughs> that Michael ever experienced in his whole lifetime probably. <laughs> Was it good for him? Absolutely. Amen. But anyhow, uh, just dear Mike, for a year or two, all he talked about was his parents divorcing. We couldn't get him off the subject. He was so sick that his parents had divorced each other after all those years. And he's finally, I think, gotten some victory. He doesn't talk about it as much, does he, at all. But boy, was he talking about it when he first came. So is it important for we preachers to uh, deal with this issue of divorce? Yes. Is it important for us also when through the years this problem has come up of uh, different ones coming, a third to 50% of all the families that come to us are not like the Estes. In fact, they don't even want to become like the Estes. They don't want seven children. Well, what if God wants to give them seven children? Are they going to take the seventh one and throw it in the garbage basket or the sixth one? Well, don't do that. Just prevent it from ever coming. Oh, I just feel like preaching. I say, you, you know that, don't you? I want to get on the Internet and I want to blast this all over the whole country. Because the average preacher is not addressing this at all. But I want you to know it's a problem in his church. Young couples, young couples are now talking about not having children at all. Or let's wait until we get our house built. The love of money is the root of all evil. The love of children is a wonderful thing. Was it not exciting with Keith and, and, uh, Jamulette, as they came in last night, and she said, "My," and she was so excited. Have you heard yet that my that Keith is going to be a daddy? See, they just got married about six months ago. And uh, by the way, did you address this when you talked to them? I did address this when I talked to them before they got married. I said, "Don't you prevent children? Children? Did you realize that children are a an adhesive? We've heard this all our life. They keep families together." Is this one reason why we're having so much divorce and remarriage? I think so. I very much think so. Mm -hmm. Don't you think if you had four, five, six, seven, eight kids and then you start thinking about divorcing your wife that you might think that that favored son who loves you so much that maybe some families would be kept together because he wouldn't want that son's heart broken? when he thinks about leaving his mother? 
or that son is is uh, uh, counting on. And by the way, oh, I've got to get into another one. Uh, working women. The Bible says that women are to be keepers at home, and I don't need but one verse, but there's more than that verse. All through the Bible, you see the woman in her place. Even Ruth is in a, in a place of submission. And she's going out there and she's looking for a husband. And I don't think she worked in the fields anymore when she married Boaz. I don't think she checked in at General Motors or Ford Corporation for eight hours a day when she had a baby and you can't nurse a baby and be working out in the workforce. So I preach on women that they ought to nurse their babies. You know why? Because the mothers need to know they're needed. And the daddies need to know that they don't need to be changing diapers all night. And burping babies all night. Just give, because they can't nurse it anyhow, give it to its mother. It's quite natural for a mother to nurse her baby. The baby, they, they say that there's actual antibodies in everything that keeps the baby more healthy if the child is, is nursed by its mother. I say to, to you, we promote it at this church, and I'll tell you what, it is good for the mothers to know they're needed. They couldn't think about being in the workforce if our mothers all nursed their babies and acted natural and normal, they couldn't even think about working out in the secular workforce. They'd be having too many babies. Blessings. And they'd be needed day and night. <laughs> Amen? Mm-mm. You say you shouldn't get into that with... These young fellows here, I don't know about that. They'll hear some something to the other effect. Even by Christians. By the way, I think that's a quite a natural thing. If you were working on a farm, you wouldn't have any problem with that at all. With the calves and their see, we're not in a we're not in a an agrarian society anymore. We're not in a farming society. I mean the young boys and girls, by the time they get to be uh, twenty-four and what are you, seventeen? Uh, by the time they were there, man, they milked so many cows and, and saw calves born and puppies born and cats born. And, and uh, for that matter, they were to be out there in the field and make sure that that mother cow, cow did not lose her calf. Because that's our money. <laughs> Follow with me? They were out there collecting the eggs from the chickens. And the ducks and the everything else. Mm-hmm. Just because we're all in the city. So many city slickers today, they don't know one thing about natural things. And so, we go on with our unnatural society. Isn't it unnatural? You know, it's, do you realize that the mothers, do you realize that the mothers, they, they have their baby and they've been working before. By the way, it's not very wise for you to get your girls working out there in the workforce as soon as they can make money. Your boys, get them out there before they're supposed to be out there. The 16-year-old thing is of the devil. I don't care what anybody says. Who says you should go to school till you're 16 years old? I don't see that in my Bible. Some of these fellows need a wrench. They need a wrench. Get them out there and work. They don't want to be in school. It's a waste. You know what they used to do? They used to do the smart things. You know what they did years ago? They used to find the boy that was really educated and smart, and they put all their money into that boy that was smart, and he'd become the, the theologian, or he'd become the real, the real brain. And the other fellas, uh, just get them out there milking cows, man. Get them out there plowing the fields. Get them out there. Get out there and produce! They were their dad's best hands. You think they wanted to have boy babies in, the, in, in a farming society? Man, wouldn't they? And when that boy came, they said, there's my, 
There's my best man. Boy, he's going to be taking over this place one day. I'm not going to have to milk cows all my days. Boy, I'm going to put him out there as soon as he knows how to milk. Doesn't get kicked by the cow. Amen? Before that, I'm going to have him up on that tractor plowing that field before he can hardly count. Amen? Almost. Amen? Get him out there. You know, now, now you, you can be taller than your dad and be 14 years old and, and, and they, they forbid you to work until you're 15 or 16. Isn't that awful? could be taller than your dad. And if you're a carpenter, you can't, you're not even supposed to use your own son. Our society is a mess. Now, I'll tell you another thing. We're trying to get all this education for our girls. They used to put all their money in their boys. If you're going to act natural and have babies, get married and have babies, which most girls do, by the way, don't discourage any fella from marrying a girl who has a higher edu- education than he does. She might let him know it. Now, I didn't say she, my wife, is not, she's not as much in the books and everything. Our brother brought that out. But I'll tell you what, you don't, if you've not had very much education, now my, my wife's mother, uh, father couldn't even read and write. And he was still the head of the home. But I'm telling you, in this day and age, in this ERA society today, it could be not to your advantage to marry a girl who's got a doctor's degree. And what does she need a doctor's degree anyhow if she's going to stay home and have babies and take care of you? Amen? I don't think we need a bunch of women who are theologians. We can't let them preach anyhow. Right? We can't let them teach us uh, an adult class or a mixed class. Don't we still have that principle? When they get as old as 17 years old and even even younger than our brother here, a man has to be teaching you. We don't even let them have a choir. You can't have a woman up here leading a choir with one 17 years old. And I think you need to kick out about... Uh, about David's age. How old are you? 14? 15. Okay, he's 50. And so, what do we do? We put a man for a Sunday school class when the boys get so old. Are we doing the right thing? We better keep doing it. We better tell everybody else who's not doing it. You know how many Pentecostal churches and mixed up churches we have that have women preachers? It's getting worse and worse and worse, fellas. It's just par for the course the way the ERA movement is going, though. The churches are going the same way the society is going. And by the way, Billy Sunday was a great preacher, but Billy Sunday encouraged women's suffrage, and he wishes he had not done it now. Women did not used to be able to vote. They can't vote in the... Do you think if they couldn't vote in the government, do you think they were voting in the churches? We've been around the Southern Baptists too long. Who have a woman up there leading the congregational singing. And the choir. And leading the church. And voting in the church. And causing all the trouble and bringing up all kinds of questions in business meetings. Peter's mother-in-law didn't have anything to do with the, the, the school of Christ. And the master's plan. It was men. Men. The early church was run by the men. Of course they were not voting in the church if they were not voting in the public elections. They used to have to be able to read and write too. They used to have to own property to vote. Good idea. Didn't they used to have to be 21 too? And now it's 18, isn't it? That's a stupid thing to do. An 18-year-old doesn't got, haven't got enough sense to choose a president of the United States who has to be at least 35 years old himself. That's why very few bishops in the church should be under uh, 30 years old because Jesus started his ministry at 30 and John the Baptist started his ministry at 30. And the priests of the Old Testament started at 30 and they went into a supervisory 
place or at 50. And this proves that you give your best to God, 30 to 50. So I'm over my best years. And now I'm directing others. Still preaching the word. Eli was pretty old. Amen? Still preaching the word, but to tell you the truth, you better pass some of this stuff on to these younger men. You better get them in line doing the things that these older pastors don't need to be doing, cutting the grass and doing all this stuff. They need to be willing to do that. I cut it at the other two places, but I just haven't done a lot. I've cut some grass out here, but that's not my thing anymore. And by the way, when I cut it at the other two locations, I would take my little New Testament, and usually it was Saturday. I don't know that that was so profitable. And I'd take my little New Testament as I'm riding up to the church property from my house on the riding mower, and I'd be memorizing my verses and reading my Bible verses while I was driving up there. But you better get some younger men doing it. But do you think that a, pl- a woman's place is in the home? Most of the colleges across the country don't believe that. Most of the churches across the country don't believe that. How many pastors' wives do you know that are working? That was so in the 70s. In the 70s, I'd go there and I'd say, oh, uh, you know, and the fellow would say, oh, my wife's at work. Well, that's not a very good example to the congregation. I, is the mother, she's, she's obligated for 40 hours to at Walmart or Sears? What about her children? Are we saying that money is more important than children? I don't believe women ought to be working secular work. Isn't your wife over there helping your... Now, how could she... She could not do that. She could not do that. And she should do that. The love of money is the root of all evil. And yet how many dear, good, godly men and they will never preach against women working because their wife works secular work. Now if she wants to donate some of her time to the church office or something or to a printing printing ministry in the church and she feels like she'd like to help and even when she's there she wears a dress and looks like a lady so she doesn't embarrass everybody. And she's the proper example but she should not go out and work at Walmart because Walmart's open on Sunday now. And 14 years ago, Walmart was not open. Kmart was not open on Sunday. Nothing was open on Sunday around here 15 years ago when we came here. And now everything's open on God's day. So we tell them, you're not playing basketball on on Sunday. You say, well, you're not going to reach as many soldiers. Well, we just won't reach them then. The Lord's Day is an important day. It's a day of worship and prayer and praise and just spiritual things. And we'll just throw the basketball at them on Saturday and beat their heads and all have them just kill each other almost on Saturday and the rest of the week. And we'll just give God's Day to the Lord. You say, you won't get as many fellas... Because they want to do their own pleasure on Sunday. Now we're to do God's pleasure on Sunday. It's the Lord's day. Say, well, you're old-fashioned. Getting worse, too. Amen? What are our grandchildren going to have? All these stores. I remember when they opened the bank on Sunday. Around here. A bank! And I went in there and complained... And she said, oh, they won't have to work on Sunday. That'll be their own privilege. Go, talk, go ask them now if it's their privilege. Boy, the devil's a fox, isn't he? All money, 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 money. Did you know there was a day? If you read the old timers, our brother said you ought to read, and that is a good thing. You should read. Read your Bible first. Read your Bible. Read, 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 study, pray, and just read. But you ought to read some other things. You realize that a lot of men, they said, I'm, not, I'm, I'm resigning from the, uh, the railroad because I am not working on Sunday. 
You say, well, these knitting mills, they need to run seven days a week or, or the, the, there's, there's problems in it. Let there be problems. The love of money is the root of all evil. May God help us. Ask for the old paths. I didn't plan any of this. You're still on, brother. Amen. We're going to hear from you. But I'm telling you, we're in a mess in this country. I heard five years ago, four or five years ago, from Dr. Bill Behrens that we were, with our standards, one in about, he said there's about 20 other churches in the whole United States that I know of that are as strong as you are. Brother Harvey. It's probably less than that now. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? So, we need to just... Do you think if, if a third of your women and men coming into your church have a problem and have a real heart-rending concern that they did something to their bodies earlier on and they cannot have children. You think that's not an important thing for Pastor Harvey to be concerned about? That is, that is a major concern. Because children in the home is a major importance. You have six children, don't you? Seven. Oh, you have seven. Okay, and how old is your last one? Eight years old. Well, in the in the in the, in the society of today, uh, which what number were you? You were the fifth child. Well, you shouldn't even be here. Amen. And which one were you, sister? Well, you were the first one. You're the oldest one. Okay. Well, you shouldn't even been here. And if your parents would have followed the philosophy of their day, you wouldn't be here. And you couldn't get saved. Because if you don't get physical life, you can't get spiritual life and get born again. Did you ever hear that preached before? Jesus said what? Except a man be born again. You can't get born again until you get born physically. People don't think about things like that today because people just don't think biblically. But I want you to know that those midwives, they said, take those babies. The devil has always been against God's children, Israelites, and his children being born into the world, but the devil sure likes all these illegitimates run, running all over the place. Did you realize that the God of heaven, I don't know exactly, but uh, Joe told me that an that illegitimate child, which is called that other word you know, which is a Bible word if you want to use it, just don't use it incorrectly. Okay? Just don't use it too glibly, like one evangelist I know. Anyhow. But anyhow, uh, but illegitimate. I'll just use that word lest we would maybe be misunderstood. And anyhow, illegitimate child could not enter into the congregation unto the tenth generation. Tenth generation. Thank you, Joe. Since John Walton's gone now, Joe is my walking Bible. Okay. And thank God for the knowledge God has given him of the Bible. But he did not get that knowledge just by osmosis, even though he has a great mind. He had to study. And even John Walton, with all his knowledge, he had to study. Can you believe that? Did you know I saw an old film by Dr. Bob Jones Sr.? An old, old black and white film and he said there was only one woman in the whole community in Alabama and she was divorced and remarried. And he said none of the women or children would let their children play with her children. You say, well, that's not loving and that's not kind and that's not gracious. No, but it showed that they didn't think a person should divorce their husband and get remarried. It sure spoke of their... They're detesting illegitimacy. We sure come a long way the wrong way, haven't we? Now, you won't let your children pray with my play with my children, not the way they're cursing. You mean to tell me if there's a, a woman who has children out of marriage and you let your children play with her 
children, that they're not going to get a lighter view of marriage and wonder where the man is. Or if there's men involved, wonder where the, why there's so many men around. I think we need a standard of holiness brought back in our, in our country, in our churches. We have gone the way that the television and the magazines and the radio and now the churches. We're exactly where they used to say. You know what they used to say? Is that here's where, let me see if I got this the right way. Here's where the, uh, where the world used to be, okay? And here's where the church was. And now what? Now the, um, if I've got this the right way, oh, I'm going the wrong way. Anyhow, here's where the, here's where the world is. And here's where the church is. And what happened is now the world's even going down to the pit and destruction worse, and now the church is right where the world was. Isn't that true about a dear brother got up there when I was on deputation to come here and I preached on hellfire so hot I wanted their feet to be sizzling over the flames. And he came up and said, boy, you sound like J. Harold Smith. Or Oliver B. Green, or one of them said. He said, we need that hellfire and brimstone preaching. We need that. But it was an old man. An old preacher. And you know what that same man or another man told me? He said, you know, Brother Harvey, the independent Baptist, this was 15 years ago. He said, the independent Baptists are today where the Southern Baptists were 25 years ago. Fraser. Brother Fraser, Bob Jones grad, white hair is uh, if he's still alive. He was over mid Mid East, uh, BIMI representative, godly man. That's what he told me. He said the independents today are right where the Southern Baptists were 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the Southern Baptists were exactly where the world was, probably 25 years before. Do you realize what I preached the other day on, on divorce and remarriage? Do you realize a hundred years ago these things would not have even been brought up? There would not have been a need for a message like I, I brought uh, the other morning. wouldn't even be a need for it. They wouldn't think about letting anybody knowingly in the pulpit who was twice married. Anyhow. Uh, I'll get back to this other and then we'll kick out in about five minutes and then we'll hear from Brother Norman, Lord willing, uh, at the... Uh, then we're going to hear from Brother McVeigh. you have something for deputation as well or not? Yes, no, indifferent? Well, I'm glad I'm taking some time. <laughs> but it's been good from all of you. It's been good from all of you. But uh, anyhow... Uh, Patty, what number were you? Six, five. You're the fifth one. That's right. Fifth child. And you were fifth child? So neither one. Patty, you shouldn't even be here. In our modern philosophy, you shouldn't even be here. How many, how many, here, are, uh, how many here are after the third child? Now, this is the conservative. It's going to two children now. It's going to two now. But how many were, were beyond... The third child, raise your hand. I was. Well, no, I was the second. I was the second child. How many were the beyond? Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Okay. He didn't raise his hand. The kids didn't raise their hand. Hannah, what number were you, honey? <laughs> huh? Fourth. Fourth. So we got to get her in there. All right? And what number child were you? Can you, you even know, buddy? Huh? He was the third? Oh, he was the third? Oh, boy, they're all little, aren't they? <laughs> boy, they got a pile, seven kids in their family. They're all... <laughs> you say, well, that's not too good to have them as stepping stones. Who said so? Too much pressure on the mother. Who said so? Who said so? They don't say too much about putting too much on a, on a woman for 40 hours at work. She can't hardly breathe and she has to go home and do work again 
and put up with that nasty husband. Hmm? So you know what she does? She bails out. She's got too much on her and she says, I'll find me another man. When working women came in, divorce rate went up. When the automobile came in, divorce rate went up. You know why? They meet. They meet over at, uh, over at Kmart and Walmart and swap cars and do all kinds of things. Years ago, the woman that was at home, she couldn't go anywhere. She couldn't drive. My grandmother never drove an automobile. My aunt uh, Charlene never drove an autom- automobile. My aunt Inez never, uh, never uh, drove an automobile. I'm not saying our women should not drive automobiles. I'm saying they better stay at home, though. Some. And they cannot be out in the workforce 40 hours a week. It's too much on the women. It's enough to please us pampered men. Huh? Don't we like to be pampered? What did we get married for? So we could cook and wash and clean? No. I just opened the drawer and my underwear is clean and my socks are there and my, my wife even puts my clothes out. I don't even know how to get dressed. And I'm 58. She doesn't think I do and I, I do get the wrong color, you know, colors and things like that. But I'll tell you what, if a woman was working 40 hours a week, then you, then you might say, well, preacher, why do you have a Christian school? Why do you allow women to work in the school? I've said all these years and I'm not changing my theology because it's biblical. If they're needed more at home, go home. And to be honest with you, even Mrs. Hammonds, it's a lot of pressure on her. She's getting older now. And I've told Pastor Hammonds a number of times, by the way, there's a new girl on the scene, a new girl in the block. Her name is Jenna. She just graduated from school. And it would be nice if she got in there and took her mother's place. That's what they used to do on the farm. Just help out. Help Daddy out. And you don't have to worry about men and women things. Mm-hmm. I've got to deal with something else here because it's very important. Does this matter? Uh, who was it? Brother Brother Reed brought it up. That was a very good thing from Brother Reed about not letting your children, keeping your family together. Didn't he say that? Keep your family together. And Brother Robertson, you said that too. Keep your family together because you don't know how many perverts there are out there. Maybe, Brother, you've mentioned it too. No, you didn't mention it? <laughs> we, we heard it from two different sources, I know, this week. And you, you can't let your boys even go home with other Christians. Did you know that the Shays, did you know that Mrs. Shay is not here this week? She was going to go, she was going to let her daughter go home and stay because the grandmother, who is not a Christian, and she's in real estate. She's very wealthy. Brother Shea's mother. And his father is dead. But his mother, she was going to, they were going to let their daughter go home there and stay with Grandma. And I discouraged it. And I was delighted that they listened to me. Most people don't listen to you. But wise people will. So it was already planned, I guess, and he's letting his wife and the daughter and the son go home, and so he's toughing it out this week by himself here. So we told him, brother, come on and eat the meals with us anyhow. He said, boy. And he even made the, ca- the cake and two of those luscious things that took, took off and were devoured in short order. He's a pretty good cook. And someone asked him, well, when, when, in the, when did you have time for that? He said, I was up most of the night. <laughs> because he had enough, enough fortitude because his wife had promised that she would fix the, the dessert for a meal. And he had enough character to fix it himself. And he had enough money, surely enough, as a major. He could have gone out and bought it all, but he stayed up half the night. 
But he did mention earlier on, he said, when we invited him for one of the taco things, Taco Mountain, he said, boy, this is better than my, my stuff will ever be. And then he's just like a poor whip puppy dog because his wife's not there. He's like he ought to be. He's really fond of his wife. <laughs> you know? He's acting quite normal. But you know what he did? He didn't let his daughter go with an unsaved, or even if she was saved, it wouldn't be too wise. One of the adults needs to go because all they have to do is not have the convictions you have and allow some friends or the, some friends just come in and happen in the house. And, and they have a whoremonger in the midst and don't even know it because they are not on vigil for that because they're not even saved. Or they're a Christian but do not have any wisdom. And there your girl is defiled and it's too late to talk about it after it's done. I mean, it doesn't take 30 minutes and your daughter is defiled. So you especially don't want her staying overnight. But wasn't it delightful to me to know that Brother Shea, we wanted Mrs. Shea and the kids to be here, but they'll be better for doing it the way they did it. And Brother Shea's the one that writes the checks anyhow for missions like it ought to be. I know, your wife maybe can count better than you. She may be more careful with the money than you, but you still need to be in charge, sir. That's another thing that's upside down and backwards in our society. The man still should have, especially if he's a Christian, so he's an example to others. He should be in charge of everything in the home. I'm not talking about the kitchen necessarily. And when he's gone, she's in charge, not the children. By the way, it's important for the man to get out there and work and get away so she can be in charge of something once in a while. Are you with me? Then she guides the home. Isn't that biblical? She's the guide in the home. I'll tell you, we're in a mixed up age when the man's sitting home and sending his wife out to work. And he's doing all the vacuuming. Now, I like what you said. Be, be kind and gracious and help out with the dishes and once in a while. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. But I'll tell you what, fellas, you better not get too involved with all this diaper changing stuff. And feeding children, if you had the normal number of children, I'm telling you, my dad wouldn't change diapers. He was out there working like a bull and the milk route all week long. He didn't have time for all that stuff. It wasn't that it was he was above that. That's women's work. If you have enough other girls, they'll be changing the others before long. Amen? And the big brothers will be protecting their little sisters. You better not mess with my sister. I'll knock your head right out. I'll knock your eye right out, boy. That's my sister there. That's when people had some common sense. Now we've got the boys out there watering the, the watering the with the water pot and the and the girls out there with the lawnmower. And she's dressed just like he is dressed. It's amazing that she, that she, that he's not dressed like she's dressed. Do you know why? Well, they could be, I know, but I'm saying not in a dress is what I'm saying. Okay? They don't have dresses yet. You know why? Adam was deceived. Not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Not Bill Winstead, but John Winstead. You know what he said about this? This is good for our evangelists to know. He said, I was, this, I was alive when the, the TV came in, friends. I was a teenager. But I was here when the pants on women came in. And John Winstead was holding a revival in the north. And he said, the pants came in in the north, and then he went to the south. He had a meeting in the south. He said, this pants on women, it took the whole country in 40 days. It took the whole country in 40 days. It came in there with his other meetings after he'd been in the north when it came in there. 
And now it's in our independent Baptist churches. Wall-to-wall bridges. The only reason the men don't come in in dresses with hose on and their fingernails painted and everything else is because Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Now, he was the one that got the judgment and the curse because he, he knew better. When he sinned and partook of the fruit, he knew just what he was doing. But the woman... And so we send our women out in the workforce and, and you had bad words when you, they, they go out in the morning and, he's th- and, he, and uh, she's thinking about all these things she has to do. She gets out to work and she dresses up nicer at work than she does at home. She looks like a bum all day at home. And then she goes out to work where she's around other people. She's all dialed up and the man's there who's working with her says, oh, you smell so good this morning. Her husband told her she stunk. Hmm? Boy, you look so beautiful this morning. Pretty soon she says, like Eve, that fruit is nice. No, she says, oh, he, he loves me more than my husband. There she goes. He invites her out for lunch. The husband doesn't know what in the world she's doing for lunch. And it's secretary's day anyhow. There she goes. She leaves her children. She leaves her husband. She leaves her home. And she becomes a, an adulteress. You say, well, yes, she gets right with God and comes back to her husband. Sometimes they do. But then you've got an, you have to put up with an adulterous wife the rest of your life. The man. And she has to put up with the shame she has for what she's done. Sometimes they plumb go off and don't come back for a while. And the kids have to know about, where's mama? (laughs) Oh, the devil's got her for a while. Mm. When I was a teenager, divorce was very unusual. When I was Luke's age, Luke, raise your hand so they know who he is, okay? When I was Luke's age, divorce was looked down upon. Not today. They talk about it like it's nothing. I want you to know it's wicked. God hates putting away. It tells us in Malachi. God hates putting away. God hates divorce. I said God hates divorce. And when you get under strong preaching on divorce and remarriage, a lot of people don't like you because they are not like God. They don't hate divorce. You can hate divorce and not hate divorces. I do. I love them. I'll weep with them. I'll pray with them. But if they remarry, they commit the act of adultery, right? So they have to bear the reproach of the adultery. And so what do they all come up and say? Well, this, is this the only sin that God won't forgive? How many have heard that? Is that the only sin that... Is, is our sins greater than others? Yes! Ah, a million times, yes! If you kill a man, you can't resurrect him again. And when you come, become an adulterer, then you've committed adultery. But when you remarry, you can't go back to the first mate. So there are certain things you can't change, just like killing someone. You can't get them back to life. So when that person remarries, they commit the act of adultery. Is that right? Wouldn't this go over the sermon, right? Is this biblical? Wouldn't this? See, you've got to keep this, you got to keep this kind of preaching. Uh, in a mission school. Who said so? Who said so? I said, who said so? It's either biblical or it's not. It's either a, a problem or it's not. It's either a need or it's not. You say, preacher, Harvey, you don't preach this from your pulpit. You haven't been here for two or three years. I preach it all. Then they're all accountable for all that I preach. I try to make sure I don't get too graphic at all or too plain at all. However, we better be plain enough so the the key people know what's going on so they can make a sensible choice. By the way, you don't have any problems at all in in Chile, do you, about divorce and remarriage or mistresses? You have a lot of that down there, like in Mexico. They don't divorce the first one. They just... We had a fellow in our church who was from Mexico. 
His wife played on our piano for years and years and years. And he, he told me, he said, I have so many half-brothers and half-sisters, I don't even know their names. And his own father tried to drug him up when he found out that he gave my piano player a child. Tried to drug him out, drug him up and get him back to Mexico. And somehow it didn't work out. Instead, he married our piano player. Never been married before, he or she. Boy, isn't that, isn't that something? So you probably have a problem with mistresses and all that stuff down there. Isn't that awful? Mm-mm. But America's got a problem with fornication and adultery. Having one wife at a time. And it's getting worse and worse and worse.